What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Talking a Bunch of Hoopla. This week, I'm going to be talking and recapping about UFC 241. Uh, the name change of the Sun Bowl, which is a beautiful name in my opinion. The whole DeMarcus Cousins tearing his ACL. Uh, the possibility of Dwight Howard or Joe Kim Noah or another NBA center going to the Lakers. The upcoming uh, matchup between the Miami Hurricanes and the Florida Gators this coming Saturday. And paying my respects to former uh, Texas running running back superstar and former, well, now former, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver coach Daryl Drake. So, uh, appreciate it if you're listening today and... You know, obviously, if you want to listen to and share podcasts in the future, you could find these on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Anchor, YouTube, and or wherever other podcasts, apps, or sites that you use. So let's just get right into it right now. All right, so UFC 241 was this past weekend. Uh, main event was for the heavyweight championship, uh, Daniel Cormier versus Stipe Miocic. A uh, little bit surprisingly, uh, Stipe Miocic uh, beat Cormier by a KO slash technical knockout in the fourth round. Uh, I wasn't expecting that at all. Uh, I think I had said a decision by Cormier, but... I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if Stipe won. After the fight though, it I was assuming that like, oh, this was Cormier's last fight. But also I think with that, because he lost, that like I said, it that's not the way you want to go out. So he said like like an Instagram post how he's disappointed and he didn't want to see his family and kids get all sad about it and how he didn't want to disappoint the fans and the UFC and blah blah blah. And he gives congratulates, you know, congratulates. Uh congrats to Stipe for winning. But uh, he's not sure what he's going to do next. And as soon as he does, he will let the fans know. Uh, either way, if he does retire after this fight, it's been an honor to watch his fights as a fan of the UFC and MMA. Uh, been watching him for years, so it's been an honor, you know, to see his journey through all of that, you know, from the the low ranks to now being a, at one point the champ champ. So... I mean, obviously, I hope he comes back for at least one or two more fights because I would imagine that he would at least want the, you know, the trilogy fight, the rematch to see who is officially the greatest heavyweight of all time. And you can make the argument that Cain Velasquez is or, you know, so on and so forth, but that's another conversation for another day. Coming event was Nate Diaz versus Anthony Pettis. Now... I had a like I you know I I don't know who I said that I wanted to win the last you know in the last podcast for this fight, but I wasn't expecting Nate Diaz to just essentially just dominate the fight, you know and even in total strikes. He had sixty seven percent against Anthony Pettis's fifty six percent, even in significant strikes. Uh, was it Nate Diaz had fifty six point seven percent. Uh, significant strikes against uh, Pettis is 51.9. He had a takedown, and Diaz had a takedown, excuse me, and a knockdown. So, but yeah, he just looked better in the fight. And even in the post-fight interview, he's like, you know, I usually I fight five rounds, and I try to push the pace and try to use, you know, try to do more in three rounds, which is not, he's not used to, which is fair. 
And then he uh, challenged Jorge Masvidal, you know, saying that, you know, he's a gangster, but he, he doesn't, he, you know, he's not used to a West Coast gangster, which I loved. I would love to see a Nate Diaz, Jorge Masvidal fight, mainly because of how much shit talking and, like, just how these guys are going to go back and forth is going to be. And it'll honestly probably some of the best stuff we will ever see when it comes to, like, trash talking in sports, to be completely honest. Because these guys are, like, A-class shit talkers. You know, plus they back their stuff up. They've proven it. So dudes who, like, respect each other and know that, all right, I'm going to you know, you're going to get my best and you're going to give me your best. So let's fucking just go at it 100% and just try to kill each other, which is amazing, which is also dark. But still, I'll pay that $60 just to see that fight alone. But that's probably not going to happen anytime soon, so... For the middleweight fight of this fight, the one I was really excited for was the UL Romero, uh, Paulo Costa fight. I also realized his last name is Costa, so that's fun. Um, I I don't see the Co- Costa got the win, but I I think Romero did more at least in the at least in the second half of the second round and then the third round. I thought he took, um, but according to these statistics. Uh, Paulo Costa landed 55% of his strikes while Romero only landed 44 and when it came to significant strikes Romero again landed 44 against uh, Costa's 55% and then uh, Romero only had landed one out of his four takedowns surprisingly he didn't try to wrestle a lot which was I mean Romero I mean which is very surprising because that's usually his, like, bread and butter. Obviously, the dude can stand up. The dude's got heavy hands and can knock the dude out. But also, wrestling is where he's, like, you know, so good at. It's where he's, he's where he's like, the top of the top. And he really didn't try that, which I found very strange. I don't know what his game plan was with that. Um, but it, it didn't work, I you know, I guess. I mean, they both dudes took a beating, and they both fought. I th- I thought the fight was super entertaining, to be honest. One of the better fights of the night. But I I I think Romero won that fight personally. But I'm open for arguments and debates on that as well. So you can also hit me up on the gram, as the kids say, talking a bunch of hoopla, or on Twitter, talking hoopla. We can discuss that. Uh, for the featherweight fight uh, between Benitez and uh, Yusuf. Or Sudik, or however you say his name. Dude, rock this dude. Uh, Yusuf won that fight in the first round, which was a little surprising. Because like I said in the last podcast, I was expecting just decisions across the board, which essentially that what it was for the most part, you know, the Yusuf fight was the only one. Well, no, no, I'll take that back. Was two out of the five main card fights that, you know, went... Uh, by not a decision. So, but yeah, knock on the first round. I was very excited for that. Dude rocked his shit. Anyway, it was beautiful. Um, And in the first fight of the main card, it was Derek Brunson versus Heinish. And let me pull up the stats for that real fast. Uh, For total strikes, Brunson had 49.3% of that against Ian Heinish's 43.3%. And then for significant strikes, Derek Brunson led that again with 43.8 against Heinrich's 40.6. And I didn't realize, but these dudes tried to shoot a lot of takedowns. Brunson only landed 
20%, so 2 out of 10. And then Heinish tried 8 takedowns and then uh, got none because uh, that didn't work out for him. But I honestly just thought, and I guess some of the commentators also mentioned, uh, which I agreed with, obviously, was that within the later, you know, you know, and toward like the later minutes of the at least second round and third round, that Brunson's experience really kind of led the charge against Heinish. Not you know, Heinish is thirteen and two at that point. Well, after the fight, he lost, so that's two losses. But my whole point is that you know he's not used to going all three rounds, so, and that Derek Brunson has been fighting a long time. Dude's got twenty seven fights under his belt. And that's, you know, with that, you know how to react better. You know, you know how to, you know, handle yourself well in the ring, at least hopefully. That's the goal. And I think that really is what did it against Heinish. So, you know, I'm very excited to see what's going to happen next for Brunson. Especially because he's going to go up in the ratings in the middleweight division. So, you know, will he get a closer chance to a title shot? Uh, That's the goal. But again, anything is possible. So, you know. Maybe he'll fight a, you know, Costa next, or maybe he'll fight a UL Romero. Anything is possible. But let me know your thoughts. Uh, what were your reactions to UFC 241? Were you happy Stipe won? Were you sad that Cormier lost? You know, did you enjoy the Diaz-Pettis fight? Did you enjoy the Costa-Romero fight? Did you think Romero won? You know, did you think so? Uh, that's just me. Um, And real quick... On to UFC 242, which is in, uh, I believe that's like Abu Dhabi, I think. I'm correct. Let me pull it up. It's The place is just called the arena where it's being held, which I found really strange. There's just nothing. Google's just, okay, that's fine. Um, yeah, so UFC 242 is between Khabib Nurmagomedov and Dustin Poirier for the lightweight title. Uh, I was talking to my friend about that fight, and I was like, all right, here's Dustin Poirier's training throughout this entire training camp against, you know, Khabib. You obviously, you work on your striking. You kind of got that down, but, like, obviously, there's nothing wrong with improving your strength. Don't do fucking anything with wrestling. Just perfect your takedown defense. That's it. I know people are like, John, are you fucking stupid? Like, obviously, you, uh, and obviously, but if your takedown defense is fucking amazing and high, you won't have to worry about Khabib, you know, laying on you for the next five rounds. So you got that going for you. So takedown defense is, is at least for me, like, key number one. Figure that out, and it makes, you know, your strengths easier to do. You know, instead of you worrying about, well, now I have to fucking learn wrestling and get better at that against a guy who wrestled fucking bears when he was, like, nine years old for, like, fun, which is in which is insane. But also, I do not want to forget the first fight in China, if I'm correct. And the main event is for the women's strawweight title between Jessica Andrade versus... Oh, God, I'm going to... Welly Zhang. That's that's the best you're getting out of me. I'm sorry. I hope that's right, but it looks real complicated and it's a lot of letters. I don't know how to pronounce properly, and I don't want to bash it. So it's the best we got going on. So yeah, excited for that. Uh, 
I know this is a big move for the UFC going to China for the first time. And I know they were recently in Uruguay. So it's nice to see that they're trying to expand their market and expand, you know, their fan base. But at the same time, um, I don't, I had a whole point about them being Monopoly, but that's kind of pointless to be honest. But we're just going to move on here. So after that, so in college football, there is, uh, a bowl called the Sun Bowl. But now, because uh, usually with college bowls, they'll have like a sponsor, you know, t- named after the bowl, like the All State Whatever Bowl or the, you know, State Farm Bowl or the, you know, so and so bowl or like the MT Bank Bowl, whatever. But this year, the Sun Bowl has a new sponsor. And for the next four years, that game will be officially known as Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. By the way, phenomenal name. I don't care what anybody says. I know people are going to make fun of it. Think it's a great name. Uh, it's different. Think about it. You know, you're a young athlete. You know, you're excited to play in college football. You made it to your first bowl game your freshman year. You know, you maybe you're not getting all the snaps you want, but you're still contributing nonetheless. Tell your parents, hey, I'm playing a ball game. They're like, oh, which one is it? It's like the Rose Bowl, Orange Bowl thing. No, 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 no. I'm playing in the Tony the Tiger Bowl. That's kind of a that's kind of a flex. That's kind of dope. You know, think about it. At the end of the tr- at the end of the game, you win. Like, do you hold up a bowl of cereal that's like like gold or like metal or like platinum or, or something? That would be sick. You know, it's just like a it's like a bowl of cereal and it's like or like a tiger coming out of something or. Like Kellogg's logo, like, but it's all like diamond and it's like translucent, so that'd be tough. But I think the name is interesting, it's different, and it's something that I feel like could now, you know, freshen up the future of bowl games and college football. Because it's cool to see the Rose Bowl and the Orange Bowl and the All State Sugar Bowl or like whatever. But it's like, I'm just trying to play in the Captain Crunch, you know, Mediterranean Bowl, or I'm trying to play in the, uh, you know, the Hobbs and Shaw Hawaii Bowl. or You know what? Actually, I'm very excited to be, you know, a member of the California State Bruins because we're playing in the Calvin and Hobbs fucking underground cave bowl or something. I don't know. I just made some shit up. But it's, you know, I like I like diversity in the sponsors of the bowl games because, you know, it keeps it fun and keeps it interesting. Plus... It's something to remember, too, especially if, you know, once this sponsorship goes up in four years. Also, let me know your thoughts. I'm very curious your opinions on all of that. Real quick, next. um, DeMarcus Cousins, current NBA Laker, tore his ACL. Which is so unfortunate because the dude's injuries the last few years have really, uh, really hurt his career, you know. I was talking to some fans, my fans of mine, sorry, friends of mine, who are you know more uh, consistent NBA fans than I am, and they were just like, "Yeah, this is bad. This doesn't. This isn't good for him at all." That's what all like the experts and analysts saying about him that this is this may be the end of his career, because um, I believe he also had an Achilles tear, if I'm correct. Uh, let me. Get that before I continue with that, because I don't want to give you false information. Da, 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 da. Transition, yeah. Um, 
here we go. It says rewinding twenty months. This is an article from five thirty eight dot com. Uh, rewinding twenty months, it would have seemed unfathomable for a contender to lose someone of Cousins' caliber without injury sending shockwaves through the entire league. But now, with three major leg injuries to Cousins in that window, teams will be likely even more reluctant about trusting Boogie's body. Excuse me, to hold up uh, over a full season, all of which begs the question, what now for the highly skilled center who just turned 29 last year? That's extremely young for someone to have that many serious injuries like that. Um, Yeah, here we go. He also had an Achilles rupture, which... So I was right, well, to an extent, but still, it's like, my God, dude, you have an Achilles and an ACL like issue... That's those are tough enough to go through, but in that short amount of time, oh my god, you know, it kind of just seems like things kind of went downhill a bit for him after he left, you know, Sacramento. I do not remember. I know he had. I, th- I believe he wanted to stay in Sacramento, but I I could be getting that wrong to be honest. Um, but yeah, even in New Orleans and then going to, you know, the Warriors, which seemed like. Easy championship win. He's like, cool, get paid a little bit. You know, it's not a lot, but, you know, I'll take the championship ring. And then they lost to the Raptors. And now going to Lakers, and he's like, all right, maybe I can redeem myself. Actually, psych, I'm going to fuck up and get my ACL torn. So hopefully with this, he stays, like, rested and stays, you know, working on getting, you know, back to full health. Because it seems like as a fan... That what a lot of these athletes do is come back way too early or, you know, risk further injury because they want to help their team or, you know, they've been sitting around too long and need to do something. So going back before they're 100% is what they want to do. It's like, obviously, I am not a doctor. I am not a, you know, science specialist. I do not know the human body all that well. But as a person looking on the outside... It does seem like these players go overboard when it comes back to, you know, coming back too soon from their injuries. Like, for example, Kevin Durant. I do not believe he should have even touched an NBA floor like that until after the, you know, the playoffs were over. I don't I don't think he should have. And then he tore his meniscus, I believe, or something like that. Oh, no, or an Achilles tear, I think. One of those terrible injuries that NBA players or athletes in general go through. And now we'll most likely miss the next, you know, upcoming NBA season. And it's just like, I get it. You want to help your team and, you know, your team's in the championship. So you want to be a contributing factor and not just feel like you did nothing. So if you, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, that only way you can help your team is if you come back, like, 100%. You know what I mean? And if you got to sit a bunch of games and maybe watch your team lose... That series, maybe that can, you know, use that as like a chip on your shoulder kind of thing. Like, damn, you know, maybe I'm the reason why the team lost the finals last year. Maybe now it's like, you know, I'm healthy now. I'm good. I'm 100%. Let's get this fucking chip. But no, didn't do that. Got injured again. And, you know, he's still getting paid regardless. Like, that's not, that's not the problem. Dude's getting paid out the ass by the Brooklyn Nets. So good for him. But it would have been nice, you know, if he stayed back, maybe still got that contract. He could have, you know, um, played this coming season with Kyrie Irving and then 
try to win a championship with Brooklyn. Or at least make a deep playoff run. But, you know, that's going to have to wait a bit. Unless Kyrie does it himself. Which is very possible. But only time will tell, of course. So, obviously, I wish the best for DeMarcus Cousins and his career. Because it seems like right now it's not in the best place. And I'm not giving up on him yet, you know. Still, I really hope he recovers fully from this ACL injury. And he doesn't come back too soon to try to, like, prove a point or to be... Show how tough he is and things like that, which usually players do, and that always pisses me off. It's like, relax, rest, you know. I, and I know that's hard for people to do sometimes, is to actually rest, to just, you know, relax. Don't overstrain yourself, which is, you know, like I said, it's hard, but it's something that has to be done. So even, like, when you're sick, just rest. It's just, just chill, you know. Maybe he could also, like, work on helping younger players, you know, spend time coaching different players of the future to better them while he has time off. So he still contribute to the game just in a different way. So, you know, maybe look into that. But, yeah, I, even if you're not a professional athlete, maybe you're a collegiate athlete of whatever sport, you know, you're a high school athlete, you're, uh, you know, you play in some other Euro League or of any sport or, you know, you play overseas somewhere, whatever league or however age you are. All I recommend as someone who's played sports, who's watched people get injured and things like that, make sure you come back when your body's 100%. And if it doesn't, you know, then if a doctor's clear, then that's up to you. That's obviously up to your discretion. But as a concerned citizen and as a, as a, as a friend, you know, I just wish you just, you know, just take your time. Don't say like anything else in life. If you start rushing it, you're making mistakes, you know, things happen, things go wrong, and it makes everything worse. Take your time, you know, relax, make sure that you're putting in the right effort and you're doing the things you're supposed to do to make sure that your body is at the best that it is. Because your body is a temple, your body is what keeps you going. You want to treat it right. You know, you want, you know how people are like, oh, I, you know, things they look for in a relationship. You know, you should look for in yourself, treating yourself right. That's number one importance. So, you know, that's just a little, little, little rant right there with that. And speaking of DeMarcus Cousins, uh, now that leaves an open spot for a center for the Lakers. And... A lot of talk I've seen is about Dwight Howard or Joe Kim Noah going to the Lakers to fill up that spot for Cousins. Okay, so the Dwight Howard Laker uh, experiment tried one time, also failed one time, and I don't think it'll work the second time. I mean, it seems like he's a more mature, more mature uh, person this time, excuse me. And, obviously, if Dwight Howard does come back, he doesn't have to worry about uh, Kobe Bryant anymore, which I'm sure for him is probably great. But, um, I just don't think with the team they have, he makes the most sense style-wise. But, again, you know, I could be wrong. He could be what helps them win a championship. That's very possible. I know people are like, yeah, oh, oh fucking K-Pal. I'm just like, hey, it is what it is. Or... They go after Joe Kim Noah. And, alright, I can, I get it, like, you know, I've, I've heard of that as well, but I've also, 
just heard I've seen through headlines about them possibly getting Taco Fall, the center out of well, he plays for Boston right now. And I I don't know. Like I don't see them doing that. I would imagine they would want someone who has more uh NBA experience than instead of someone who's just a rookie. But also if they did that, that is great, you know, uh a great place for him to learn to be a better player around. LeBron, A D you know, and so on and so forth, you know, you're playing with a lot of, you know, really good players in the NBA, so maybe that could work out for him in the long run, but again, we'll find out, I'm sure, soon enough, you know, whatever the Lakers are going to do, you know, they still have, obviously, Anthony Davis, so I feel like for that part, they're pretty decent, so you should know, you know, there's nothing wrong with more depth on your team at all, there isn't, and I get it, Um, on to... One of my favorite things that's coming up. August 24th. College football is a back. It's the Miami Hurricanes versus Florida at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, Miami announced the other day that Jaron Williams, a redshirt freshman, is going to be the starting quarterback for week one. And that uh, transfer, Tate Martell, formerly of Ohio State, may be interested in possibly moving to the wide receiver a wide receiver position. And I've seen comments, a lot of them were positive, surprisingly, that they think it could work out, they think it could possibly be like a Julian Edelman type of thing, which having two quarterbacks on the field at once technically would be interesting. Um, I mean, I don't know if it'll work because I've never seen him even go out for wide receiver personally so i mean he has the speed he ha- you know he's a really good athlete so i can see it happening but whether or not it works out is that's up for debate um but it seemed like very fast that it was like well i lost well now it's time to switch positions and i get it he did lose the you know qb1 position battle at ohio state which is why he transferred and then he had the whole thing with Texas A&M that he was committed to, and that didn't work out because of the quarterback situation or whatever and things like that. So he's he's not batting super well with, you know, being a quarterback, and I get it. Well, I, I would say not. Don't give up yet. It's still early, you know. Maybe Jaron Williams isn't the answer. Maybe Tate Martell is. Maybe Nikosi Perry is. We don't know. We we haven't gotten to that point yet. We've just been in practices and drills. I say we like I'm a part of the team, which is hilarious. But nonetheless, uh, I know the odds are in Florida's favor. Um, Miami did lose a decent amount of players in the draft this past year. But I think with Manny Diaz at the realm, sorry, at the helm of the team now, head coach, and the staff that they added to the team, I think will be great for Miami. Uh, I love the energy that the Hurricanes have right now. It does remind me of Hurricanes of old, which is very exciting as a Hurricane fan myself here. And I know a lot of people, from what I've seen in like, you know, the dedicated college football pages or analysts, that Miami will probably go like 10 and 2 or 9 and 3. Obviously, I want to say Miami's going to go undefeated, but that'll be biased and that's not fair. 10 and 2 makes sense. I get why. You know, a lot of people don't have Miami beating Florida, which is fair, I guess, to an extent. You know, Florida has returning a lot of players. Um, I know in the AP poll, I believe they're in the top 15. Let me double check that real fast before I continue, because I don't want to give you 
as you know, people say fake news. So you know, I'm not. We're not. We don't support that at all. Um, because that would just be rude. So here we go. Top twenty-five. Florida is eighth. So it's basically uh, unranked versus uh, eighth. But you know, Miami did receive votes for the top twenty-five. So I love that. I support that a hundred percent. So basically, if Miami does win, which I believe they will, I believe they have the talent on defense and offense to do it. Uh, that'll be huge for the you know their polling and things like that. Defeating a top ten team, you know, week zero essentially. And oh my God, please let that happen. I do not want to hear Florida fans go off essentially and you know just run their mouths because uh, I like being happy. <laughs> Um, And to the people who do not know, the uh, top 25 was released August 19th. And throwing off the top 10, we have Clemson at 1, Alabama at 2, Georgia at 3, Oklahoma at 4, Ohio State at 5, LSU at 6, Michigan at 7, Florida at 8, Notre Dame at 9, and Texas at 10. So are you excited that football is finally back? Because we all know that I am. Especially because I've been trying to talk about anything involving football for the last few weeks. And it's been hard because the biggest thing that's really happened lately is either, you know, contract re-signings. Uh, whether or not uh, Ezekiel Elliott's going to get his. Or whether or not Dak Prescott's going to get his. But Jalen Smith, linebacker, got his. So good for him. Um, you know, whether or not Zeke's going to sit out this season. This whole issue with Antonio Brown and his helmet that's kind of getting annoying because... Very back and forth, like, well, here's a helmet I found uh, that sucks. Got a got a helmet? Nope, incorrect. That's wrong. It's like, all right, dude. I mean, he's been practicing, so that's good. And Mike Mayotte said, the GM of the Raiders, he's either all in or all out at this point. Cause yeah, I feel like he just caused more of distraction for them than he has, uh, you know, monetary gain. I'm sure his jersey sales are probably through the roof, so, you know, that's probably not the issue. But it's like, we we traded you. You're a top guy for a reason. So, like, please, please stay. Please stay. Um, So, it's it's very uh, dumb, and it's a waste of time to talk about much more. So, we're going to continue now. Where are we at now? So, on to a sadder note. Uh, sadly, of course. Former... Uh, Texas running back and uh, college football star Cedric Benson passed away the other day uh, in a mortal and a motor I can't say motorcycle a motorcycle accident he was uh, 36 years old if I'm correct uh, he played for the Packers and Bengals I believe if I'm correct he also played for the Bears um you know, he wasn't, like, the greatest NFL running back, but he was a huge, huge star in college. So, like, for example, career-wise, he has 5,540 yards. He averaged, uh, career-wise, five yards a carry, 64 touchdowns, uh, has over 1,000 uh, rushing attempts. So he's up there when it comes to statistics in college football. Um, he did receive the Doak Walker Award um, as a nation's top running back and was recognized as a con- It's a consensus, not conscious, 
All-American. Um, he finished his career with, I said, like I said, excuse me, with 5,540 rushing yards to rank sixth all-time in NCAA Division 1A history and second only to Ricky Williams and Longhorn team history. So as you can see, Texas Longhorn-wise, Longhorn University of Texas, he's up there. You know, he is a proven running back, um, but his career statistics in the NFL had over 6,000 rushing yards, 32 touchdowns, 1,600 rushing attempts. So, um, you know, has fair share of decent success in the NFL. Went fourth in the first round of the 2005 draft, which also featured, I believe that was the year Alex Smith went first, if I'm correct. Uh, yes, it was. So it went Alex Smith, Ronnie Brown, Braylon Edwards, and Cedric Brinson. My God, what a fucking... And then top five was Cadillac Williams. Holy shit. Sorry, I'm just very surprised by that. Also, um, sadly to say, uh, talk about the passing of Daryl Drake, the now former uh, wide receiver coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um... Yeah, dude, this shit sucks. It seems like every week someone in the sports world is is dying. And obviously, um, death is such a part of life. So I get it, and it sucks. But uh, it's just, it's like, no matter how old you are, it's like, it seems like in sports, even even if you're a player or a coach or a fan, it's kind of feels like you're in this group together and it's you know it's very personal it seems like especially for like the fan base of the team you play for or your team you retired with and things like that or so all obviously all my best wishes to the drake and benson families you know my prayers and condolences go out to you guys um so i'm sure it's a tough time so i hope people who hear this just you know give them their private time of course anybody who no matter if they're an athlete or you know, celebrity, whoever, even, you know, people you may know outside of, you know, the blogs and the internet world, just to give people their space and time, because everybody obviously goes through death differently, so, you know, obviously be there for people, but genuinely be there, I know I'm off topic, I apologize, but, you know, I've dealt with death, de I've dealt with death, uh, sorry, death myself, and it's, you know, it's a tough thing, so it fucking sucks, but it's something that's just sadly a part of life, but I'm gonna end it here on the sad note, because that's, that's how we're gonna do it today. Um, like I said earlier in the podcast, if you are interested in finding it, to listen to it, follow it, to share it, to explore it with your friends and family and coworkers or enemies or whoever, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, Anchor, you know, any other third-party websites or apps that you listen to podcasts on, um, you can message me or follow me or communicate in some form or fashion on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter, talking hoopla. Instagram, talking a bunch of hoopla. And leave me suggestions, you know, tell me how I'm doing, things like that. Anything or everything involving sports. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it for today. I hope you all enjoyed the podcast this week. We'll see you all next week and have a good one, everyone.